Nothing I do matters. I'm a failure. I can't do anything right. Life isn't worth anything. If I wasn't around anymore, nobody would even care. This is going to kill me. Good morning and welcome to Northridge Church, man. We're excited to have you here this morning in the midst of an ice storm. You guys braved it and you made it here this morning. So welcome. We're at one church in multiple camp, multiple locations. And so can you do me a favor and help me welcome all of our campuses here this morning? Can we put our hands together? Yeah. No matter where you're joining us, whether it's one of our campuses or for a lot of you, you're at home watching in the midst of the storm, we want to welcome you as well. If you're a guest here with us today, thank you for being here. We're honored and excited to have you. And, and really our goal for you is that as you continue to come to Northridge Church, this place comes less like a crowd and more like a family. And so we're honored to have you here this morning. You know, last week we, we dove headfirst into this brand new series called Silent Killers. And really, this series is built off of this point that some things, if kept silent, will hurt you. And over the course of, of, of culture, we've been given the command to, to be quiet, to keep things on the inside, to shh long enough and over a long enough time that we've just decided that maybe in life it's easier to keep things on the inside. Maybe it's just better to, to just not tell anybody about my problems or my struggles but the reality is, is some things, if you choose to keep them silent over the course of your life, they're going to hurt you and might eventually kill you. And so we, we jumped into this series. We started, about the, we started with the most common silent killer last week called worry. And we all really battle with worry at one place or another in our life. And we said worry was just basically this lack of trust that we have in the value God has placed on something that is important to us. And we talked about how we overcome worry. We get our mind off of uncertainty and focus back on the truth and the promises of God. We talked about how worry doesn't work. And really, at the end of the day, we have to submit to God's way and not ours. But we're in week two of this series, Silent Killers. And we're going to talk about the second silent killer. And this one might be as common as worry. But it disguises itself a whole lot better. This silent killer is deadly. And it affects a lot of people, but I'm not sure they notice. I'm not sure they would label it as this. It's the silent killer of depression. Depression, even when you hear that word, it carries this heavy negative connotation. Because, I mean, when you think about worry, no one really walks around. Everybody kind of walks around like, hey, I worry, no big deal, right? But not many people walk around with the, this badge of honor saying, hey, good news, I'm depressed. It's just not... Natural, and, and this is one that we often keep very silent. We don't want people to know about. But what is depression? I mean, I think we all have a generic idea of what depression is. But let's define it. Depression is the experience of hopelessness. 
a dark despair of the soul. You see, depression is as you walk through life, it's void of hope. It's almost like there's this blockade keeping you from feeling light or hope or happiness or joy or faith. You see, for some of you, you're there where maybe it's a seasonal thing or maybe it's a battle that you face on a regular basis where you go through life and all it is is negativity. It's discouragement. It's loneliness. Ultimately, it's darkness of the soul. This is what the Bible says, Proverbs 15, 13. It says, a happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. And some of you are walking around with a crushed spirit because all you interact with is darkness and negativity. And as we start this, this silent killer, I want to start by letting you know that I'm not an expert in this area. So give me grace, but I believe God's word speaks directly to this silent killer. And there's really two things that we have to know up front about depression. The first thing is this is a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual battle. The Bible says that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against the powers of darkness. And I'm telling you today, the enemy loves to get people at a place where all they can experience is darkness. He loves to push and isolate people to the negativity, to surround them with things that are far from God. And this is a spiritual battle. We have to recognize that, that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but this is the power, the enemies of darkness trying to consume us with darkness. But I think, secondly, we have to understand about depression is the effects of depression are serious. They're serious. This isn't something to be joked about. This isn't something to just kind of shug off and say, oh, no big deal. This is serious. This is a serious topic. And in our culture and in our communities and in our families and in our schools, this is a reality. In fact, let me prove it to you. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. That's, that's just crazy. That people have lived in a dark enough state long enough where they're just saying, I'm ready to give up because I don't matter anymore. I mean, that's amazing to me. Listen, listen each year, 42,773 Americans die by suicide. And really, that's just a small number. Because over 42,000 people commit suicide every year, but for every single one of them that commits suicide, there's 25 people who attempt to commit suicide. So that gives you a, a much broader perspective of this silent killer and the effects it's having on our community and our culture. And it's just not an older generation, it's affecting our kids. Check this out, more teenagers and young adults die from suicide than cancer, heart disease, AIDS, birth defects, stroke, pneumonia, influenza, and chronic lung disease combined. This isn't a joking matter. And it's wreaking havoc on our kids, our coworkers, the people we interact with every single day. And, and some of us think, we, we think this is new to our culture. Like, depression is new. It's, it's just a 2,000 issue. But if you go back to the beginning of Scripture, there were characters who dealt with darkness. Characters that we would label as heroes in the Bible, but they had dark moments. A guy named David we're going to start with. David, a giant slayer. David, the Bible calls a man after God's own heart. A guy who wrestled bears and lions. A guy we look up to, and he had dark moments. Psalms chapter 69 Verse 3, it says, I'm worn out calling for help. 
My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. Talk about a dark moment in his life. Job, a character in the Bible. Job chapter 3, this is what he says. He says, why is light given to those in misery? In life, to the bitter of soul, to those who long for death that does not come, who search for it more than hidden treasures. I mean, these are the words of a character in the Bible, a guy named Job. He says, for those who long for death, and they long for it more than hidden treasures. You want to talk about a dark place? Elijah, a prophet of God, a guy who spoke for God, spoke directly to God. This is what he says in 1 Kings. He says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm done, God. I, I, I'm, t- I'm in a dark place. Just let, let me go, God. Naomi and Ruth. She says, don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara because the Almighty made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back to empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. And we end with another king, the wisest king to ever walk the face of the earth. His name was Solomon in Ecclesiastes. He says this, I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And so you see, this is, this is not something new. This has been in our culture thousands of years ago, people dealing with dark places in their life. And maybe you're there this morning. Let's be honest, all of us are here. When flowers are supposed to be blooming, we're dealing with ice storms. I mean, like, if you're not depressed about this weather, like, you might want to check your pulse, right? I mean, (laughs) I have this app on my phone, and it's probably not a healthy app anymore, but it's called the weather app. And Every time I open it, it feels like, okay, there's only one cloudy, snowy place on it. Guess where it is? You guys guessed it, Rochester, New York. But in all reality, some of us are there. And it might be a seasonal thing. It might be life has just kind of been beating us up as of late. And all we can feel is the negativity, the loneliness surrounding us. But for some of us, we struggled with this for our our whole life. It's something that we battle with, depression. But for some of us, you you might be here this morning and you say, well, I don't deal with this, Drew. So I'm just going to go ahead and tune you out because this really, this message isn't for me. But I want you to understand something. Just because you don't struggle with depression doesn't mean God doesn't want to use you to help somebody with depression. And I think a lot of us, the reason why we've gotten here, the reason why 42,000 people in a year commit suicide is because how we have interacted with them and we've told them, hey, no big deal, just get over it. And the reality is for those of us who don't interact with depression, I believe how we react to those who are struggling with darkness is just as important as the words I'm going to say to the people who are going through the darkness. And I want to challenge us. Maybe God wants to use you, the light of the world, Scripture calls you, to bring light to the darkness. Because I'm afraid as Christians, we're the light of the world, the Bible says. But the truth about us as Christians is we just kind of hang around the light because it's safe and comfortable there. And God's called us as light to bring light and hope to the dark areas of our world, to people who are struggling. And so for you this morning, I want us to understand a couple things. We can't react casually to depression. We can't react casually to depression. This is what's got us here in the first place. 
And I'm afraid too many Christians today has found someone who is struggling with darkness, and this is our words, this is our coined phrase. We say, hey, I'm sorry, God's got this, I'll pray for you. And that's our coined phrase to say, good luck, I'm out of here. I mean, we say it all the time, right? People talk to us about their struggle. We say, hey, good luck, I'm praying for you. Yikes. And and the truth is, is we can't act casually to this anymore. It's killing 42,000 people a year, and there's 25 per attempt who are struggling. This is a reality in our culture. And as Christians, we're called to bring light to the darkness. And so this isn't a casual thing anymore. So some of you are saying, okay, well, man, I'm not a counselor, Drew. I haven't been trained. Part of the reason why I don't say anything is because I don't know what to say. I don't know how to help. I would love to help, but how do I do it? And I think it's simple. And I think we we need to be a voice of encouragement. We need to be a voice of encouragement. This is what Proverbs says. Proverbs says in chapter 12, verse 25, it says, anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. I love this transition of this verse. It says, anxiety in the heart of a man causes darkness, depression, but a good word makes it glad. And and let's define that good word. It's not talking about one good word. It's talking about a constant good word, a committed good word. It's talking about someone who says, I know you're dealing with darkness, but I'll be that loud voice in your life that brings hope to your darkness. I'll be that loud voice that encourages you in the the dark moments of life. This is what the Bible says, Proverbs 18. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Now, just let that settle in and let that like, like marinate in your mind. Your tongue. Pretty small part of your body, probably the strongest muscle in your body. And it has the capacity, it has the power to bring life into people's darkness. You know, when I was a a kid, I loved traveling through tunnels. My family, we would go visit family, we'd oftentimes go through a tunnel. And if you you like tunnels, I, I used to like to hold my breath, see if I could hold my breath as long as I could. Anybody relate to that, you know? Maybe I'm the only loser here today. Okay, cool, fair enough. And so as a kid, I would love to go through, through a tunnel, but as I get older, I don't know why, but every time I go through a tunnel, I, I feel this like claustrophobicness, it's like long and it's dark, and I'm, I'm not a big fan anymore. And if you've ever been in a, like a really long tunnel, it's almost void of light, it's almost so dark that you're like, okay, I'm ready to get out of this, but when you're a mi- about a mile out, you can see just a, a little glimmer of light. And that little glimmer of light gives you enough hope to realize that we're going to make it out of this. And I believe today God wants to use some of you as that little glimmer of hope in someone's life. Someone who is only experiencing darkness and you step in and that little bit of light and that little bit of hope will shatter their darkness. But are we available? Be a voice of encouragement. But, but then maybe you're here today and, and you're dealing with depression. It's a battle you face. It's something you struggle with. And I want you to know two things. If you're in the midst of this battle, there's two things I want you to know, and then I'm going to help us walk through how we can win this battle against depression. The first thing I want you to know is that you are not alone. You're not alone. There are people who are struggling with the same things you're struggling with. And, and here's what the enemy loves to do. Is he, his greatest tool, I believe one of his greatest tools, is to isolate you. And so when you're experiencing darkness, the the enemy likes to whisper lies into your head like, no one cares. No one one cares what you're going through. 
No one, no one would even notice if you were gone. And what he does is he whispers these lies into your head. You're all alone. Everybody's given up on you. Let's just take care of it now. And over the course of year after year, listening to those lies, we start to believe them. And I want to remind you of the truth is you are not alone in two ways. There are people on this earth that love you and care for you. People who, who notice you, people who you matter to, people who will walk with you through this journey. But let's just say, let's just pretend that no one cares about you on this earth. Let's just pretend everybody else has given up on you. Let me tell you the truth, that God hasn't. Amen. God hasn't, and he loves you and he cares for you. And this is what the Bible says, Hebrews chapter 13, 5. It says, because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. And man, if that's all you have to cling to, that's all you need to cling to. That God will fight your battle with you. He will walk with you in the darkest moments of your life because you are not alone. But then secondly, I think we need to realize the value God has placed on your life. You see, that word value, we talked about it last week, worry. You see, these two silent killers kind of interact with the same word, but in different ways. You see, we worry because we've placed value on something that is important to us. And so that's why we worry, but it's the opposite really with depression, is the reason why we are depressed is because we've lost our value. We've believed the lies of the enemy, and so what happens is we believe that no one cares about me, and it rips our value away. We believe that no one even cares or notices what we're going through, and it strips us of our value. And the reason why we find ourselves in darkness is because we've lost our value. And we have to come back to the truth that God values you. And I want to show you that in, in kind of a unique way and in a unique scripture. That really doesn't scream God just values you, but it, it's kind of amazing what this verse says. Because I think about my relationships in life. The, the relationships that I cherish the most, the people are really the people who know me the best. So it's the people who I've trusted to, uh, to know certain details about my life that the majority of people don't know. Those are the, the relationships that I value the most. It's the people who know the significant things in my life. And check out this verse, Luke chapter 12, verse 7. It says, indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. And, and, and I, I know that verse doesn't really scream that God values you, but it's amazing to me that the God of the universe, you think of all the things that he has to keep his eye on, the creator of the universe, king of kings, and he took the time to know you at a level of intimacy where he knows the amount of hair on your head. Now, for some of you guys, he was like, mm, zero, that's easy. <laughs> Sorry about your bad luck, man. But I mean, how amazing and how cool is it that God values us enough to count every single hair on our head? He knows you at that level because you matter to him. Your life is significant. And sometimes I think we fail to realize that, that we matter to the creator of the universe. So how do we overcome this? How do we win the battle with the darkness? We're consumed with loneliness and discouragement and negativity and anxiety. How do we win this battle of depression? And I want to give you four things. I think it starts probably with the hardest step. It starts with a step that's going to cause you to be vulnerable. It's going to cause you to drop your pride. And it's simply to break the silence. To break the silence. You see, the reason why this is a silent killer is because we don't like to talk about it. 
We'd rather just keep it inside. And, and really that first step of overcoming this is being vulnerable enough to tell somebody, to break the silence. I mean, as a church, this is why we always will push you to community groups. And we won't apologize for it and we'll continue to say it. This is why it's so important to be in community with people who you trust and who you can share your secrets, your struggles with. I mean, this is why as a church, we're saying, hey, you got to be in community because we want to surround you with friends who you trust, who you can lay your burdens on and say, this is me and I need help. You know, I, I believe this. One of the greatest strongholds that keeps people from growing in their faith is that word vulnerability. Because in our culture, we're just told, hey, just pretend like you've got it together. Fake it till you can make it, right? And that's how most of us live. I mean, if we were just to be brutally honest, that's how most of us live. Everything's good. I'm okay. And we just build wall after wall after wall up. And we really don't want anybody to know really what's going on in our life. And it keeps us from becoming a better disciple of Jesus Christ. It keeps us from growing spiritually. I mean, can you imagine what God would do in a church if we just got raw and real with the people we trust and we said, hey, this is me and this is my struggle and I want God to intervene and help me. But it starts by breaking the silence. And the question is, is are we really willing to do that? To let people know who we truly are. So we start there, but then secondly, I think we take that second step. We surrender your struggle to God. You surrender your struggle, your darkness to God, because at the end of the day, he's the only one who can heal you. He's the only one who has the power to overcome your darkness. And, and I think for some of us, we're, we're afraid to tell God about the things we struggle with because we feel like we've let God down. We feel like, man, I... I'm supposed to be a, a good Christian guy or girl, and man, I, I just feel like I've let God down by, by interacting with this. And so we're ashamed to go to God. But look what God says in his word. Matthew chapter 11, it says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I mean, that word rest, some of you are longing for rest. And I'm not just talking about like a vacation. I'm talking about like spiritual, emotional, like healthy rest. You long for it, but you don't know where to find it. And God's like, hey, you just come to me, I'll give it to you. I want to carry your burdens. I want to walk with you through the darkness. Psalms 50, verse 15, it says, And call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you. And, you know, I, I, I view it like this. You know, God is our heavenly father. And I'm a father today. I have two girls and a son. And I, I want to tell you something. And you probably feel this way if you're a dad or a mom. It would break my heart to know my daughter was struggling with something and she wasn't willing to come tell my dad, her dad. I mean, it would crush me to know my daughter is, is fighting through something and she doesn't feel like she can come and tell me, maybe because she's ashamed or whatever. Man, that would break my heart and that's the same way God views you. He's like, I wanna be there for you. I wanna help you with this. I wanna walk with you through this. Would you just come to me? Would you just tell me what you're dealing with and I'll give you rest. I'll deliver you. I'll fight with you. And some of us, we allow our shame to keep us from going to our Savior. So we break the silence. We surrender the struggle to God. And then third, we replace the darkness with hope. 
We replace the darkness with hope. This is a lot like last week where we we take our mind off of uncertainty and we focus it back on truth. Well, here, we get our mind off the negativity. We stop focusing on the loneliness. We, We get our mind off the darkness and we focus in on hope. This is what Philippians chapter four, verse eight says. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. And again, it's a transition off the darkness and onto the hope. And let me give you some practical ways to do that because for some of us, it's so hard to get our minds off of the negative things in life. It's so hard to get our mind off of darkness. And it starts, I think, sometimes in the simplest of forms. I believe spring is coming. I do. Flowers will start blooming. And when you see those flowers in the midst of your darkness, look at the beauty of the flower and be reminded of who created it. Sometimes in just the small ways, where you see the small things and it reminds you of hope, it reminds you of where hope is found. Some of us, it's just putting on our headphones and instead of listening to pump up music, we just play worship music. Worship music that reminds us of the truth and the hope that we have in Jesus. For some of us, it's opening God's word and reading his treasure. If you're struggling with darkness and depression, a great place to start reading God's word is Psalms. It's kind of like lyrics, and you'll see some of these writers, they dealt with some dark places in life, but the truth is, is they always came back to the truth of God's word, and that's what helped them overcome the darkness. Some of us, it's just getting our mind off of ourselves. Like, I mean, it's just literally taking our lens off of our life and maybe writing a thank you card or or doing something. You see, hope comes through action. Some of us are depressed because we lay in bed and we sleep in and we don't get out of bed. Maybe it's just getting out of bed, setting a routine and and a calendar, giving your life purpose and hope to live for the next day. Because hope comes through action. So we gotta replace the darkness with hope. And then lastly, I think we have to seek help. Seek help. For some of you, you've been dealing with depression for a long time. And maybe your step is just to seek help. And maybe that starts by emailing a pastor after church today. I mean, I I love this church because we're not like, hey, good luck with depression. We hope you get over it. No, we'll walk with you through this journey. We have a pastor of counseling. His name is Andy. He's amazing. We have campus pastors who would love to sit down and talk with you. We have pastors and people. We have community group leaders. Man, if you're a community group leader, can I just say I stink and love you? Because you're at the front lines of this battle. You are. You really are at the front lines of this battle. You are talking with people on a regular basis, and thank you for leading the way. Maybe it's just talking to someone who's trusted, or maybe it's going to see a doctor and getting a diagnosis, and getting a little bit of medicine for a season to get control of your depression so God can heal you from it. But to seek help, to say, I'm tired of dealing with this, and I'm no longer going to allow the devil to isolate me and bring me down. Today, I'm going to find help. You see, depression is a dark journey. It's dark. For some of you, man, you're there. You're fighting to, to, to hold on to your value. You're, you're fighting to not focus on the darkness. But I want to give you hope this morning. I don't want you to feel guilty about dealing with this. I don't want you to walk out of here shameful. But I want you to understand this. Your journey may be dark, but that doesn't mean it's hopeless. 
Your journey may be full of negativity. Your journey might be lonely. Your journey in life might be hard, but that doesn't mean it ends without hope. And I want to share a story with you to kind of wind things down of a friend of mine. His name is Jared, and he struggled with depression greatly to the point where he thought about taking his life. And I want to share his story with you this morning. It says, I remember sitting in my 1997 Toyota 4Runner, broken, empty, and full of hatred towards God. I was severely depressed, ridden with anxiety, and highly skeptical towards life. It didn't matter how many medications I had tried or how many counseling sessions I went to. I had convinced myself that nobody in the world would give a crap if I was gone. I was my own worst enemy. I was right where Satan wanted me. No amount of Zoloft kept me from feeling down. No amount of counseling, no, no amount of counseling sessions kept me from thinking I was worthless. No amount of truth kept me from believing the lies. I was 18 years old, trying to find my place in the world, all while ignoring all that I had learned about God. At only 18 years old, I was the main event at a party called loneliness. As I sat in the car that my mother and father had lovingly gifted me two years prior, I remember trying to convince myself that life was worth living and that there was something out there actually worth living for. But while all my convincing continued to fail me, the thought of ending my own life continued to grow steadily. I googled painless ways to commit suicide and processed through my head how everything would take place. Why, you ask? Because ending it was so much easier than admitting my brokenness to others. From the outside looking in, no one would have expected the pain I was feeling at 18. I had a loving family, big goals, and a great group of friends. But although everything looked wonderful from the inside, from an outside perspective, no one knew I had been struggling with this hurt for the last five years of my life. I was way in over my head, and I wasn't looking to deal with it any longer. I was ready to finally let go. As I cried out to God, already covered in my own sweat and tears, I remember this overwhelming feeling come over me. My screams of, I can't do this anymore, were countered with a sense of his presence, a presence that words cannot begin to describe. As I continued to share my anger with the one who created me, I noticed my voice slowly lowering in volume, my anger starting to cease, and my racing heart beginning to come back to a normal state. God finally interrupted my cries and said, give me a chance. But God, I don't want to feel like this anymore. His response was something I have never forgotten. I don't want you to feel like this anymore either. Give me a chance. The next morning I woke up, not quite sure when or how I ended up back at my house. I was confused, rested, and somewhat joyful for what the day would bring. As I reminisced on what had taken place the night prior, give me a chance continued to play in my head. As I made my way back to work, I was expectant for something grand to happen. I wanted God to show me that giving him a chance was worth it. I wanted God to show me that my life was actually worth living for. I remember clocking in, putting on my name tag and making my way over to the counter where I'd spend the next eight hours of my day still expecting that God would do something grand. I remember thinking to myself, here we go. As my first customer walked up to me, Jared, is that you? 
said a tall, skinny, long-haired guy in front of me. He proceeded to explain that he had gone to high school with me, but I might not remember him because he was a few grades ahead of me. After a few minutes of back and forth chatter, he asked me a question that I'm sure was only by the hand of God. Dude, do you wanna to go to church with me tonight? I couldn't believe the words that had just come out of this guy's mouth. Was this a joke? Did someone set him up to do this? But before my mind could ask any more questions, I responded, of course I would. That night was the night that forever changed my life. That was the night that God did something grand. That was the night that God gave me purpose. I heard the good news of Jesus for the first time. Or maybe I had already heard it before, but that was the first time it actually made sense. I realized that my life wasn't about me, my strength, my plans, but instead the calling that God had himself, had himself for me. Depression and anxiety are two things that I will always battle against. The beautiful thing is that Christ is willing to help me amidst the battle. If you find yourself struggling with depression or loneliness, I'd encourage you to reach out for help. Give God a chance and let him show you something grand. Maybe you can relate to Jared's story because you're there. You've lost your value. You feel like you don't matter to anybody. And so what you've done is you've went on this pursuit of value and you've searched in a relationship for it. You've searched in a bottle or a drug for it. You've looked all over this world trying to fill that void of value and you found yourself more and more empty. It's because the truth is, is value only comes at the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the only place you can find hope. And you can search in this world for value all you want and you will eventually be left dry. And maybe today to overcome the darkness in your life, the first really step is to go to the place where hope is found. It's to go to the cross and say, God, I, I, I need hope. Because the truth is, is God's light shines brighter than any darkness you will ever encounter. Maybe it's just surrendering your life to him, saying, God, would you give me hope? Because I can't find it anywhere else. Would you give God a chance? Would you give God a chance to interrupt that darkness, to shatter it, to break it? Here's what I love about the end of Jared's story. Is right when Jared had given up, just when Jared was done fighting for himself, God fought for him. God stepped in. When the enemy thought he had won and Jared was ready to take his life, Jesus said, not today. Not today, devil. And I think for a lot of us, we might even be close. And God gives us the confidence in our darkness to stand on his name and say, you know what? No longer, enemy, will you consume me with darkness. No longer will you fill my heart with lies. But today, and today I'm telling the devil, not today, not tomorrow, not the next week, but today I'm standing on the hope that Jesus has given me. So our band is gonna sing a song in a little bit to give you hope. And my prayer is that you don't walk out of here discouraged, but you walk out of here with what Jesus gives you, and that's hope. Because your journey may be dark, 
but that doesn't mean it's hopeless. Let's pray. God, I just pray today that you'd give someone the confidence, whether they're sitting at home at their couch, watching online, or whether they're at one of our campuses, to break the silence, to, to just say, this is who I am, and God, I need help. God, I pray today for the person who's searching for hope that they would surrender, that they would realize that you have forgiven them for all the, the sin that they've encountered and you give them hope today and that they would place their faith and their trust in you, that you would become the leader of their life. God, I pray that you'd encourage us in the midst of the struggle that life brings. In Jesus' name.